You're listening to Portfolio Builders, a WealthCap Holdings podcast about long-term wealth building and financial independence. Hey, this is Devin, your host for today's Portfolio Builders podcast. Really excited to have our guest Lou Baldwin on today. We're going to be diving deep all about property management. We had Lou on a couple of months ago and went over some elementary tips and tricks for brand new investors. And in today's episode, we're going to be going into more depth, talking about long-term plans for tenant retention, having a great relationship with your property manager. Lou Baldwin is the owner of Baldwin Properties in the North Carolina market. They're coverage area spans all over Charlotte to Greensboro, Winston-Salem area. Uh, So I hope you guys enjoy today's episode. So the last time that we had you on, we kind of went over the, basically the basics of property management, uh, things that were really important for a brand new investor to know. Could you maybe just give us like a couple of what you thought were like you know, the highlights, if a brand new investor is, is going to invest out of state, like the top three things that, can you hear me? Yep. You froze up on me just a little bit, but I think I got the gist of the the question there. Our company works with what I would call all types of investors. So we have Mm -hmm. plenty of folks who are new to investment, own a house. Uh, Sometimes they may have inherited it. Sometimes they may have moved out of town and decided to keep the house that they used to live in and to treat it as an investment property and that type of thing. So we're perfectly comfortable and great working with the new investor. I would also say that obviously we have some large investors. We have clients that own several hundred houses. Uh, We have plenty of clients that own between two and 10 houses and that type of thing. Uh, All of our clients are important to us. That's how our management portfolio is built from a variety of different types of investors. So for your question regarding newer investors, I think that a few things that I would advise, and you particularly mentioned out of state right there, that, hey, maybe they're not here where they're actively day in and day out involved in their property, and therefore they might have a little bit of wariness about it. Oh my goodness, I live in California, but I own a house in North Carolina. How's this going to work? And I believe last time, one thing I shared is that there's not a whole lot different that we end up needing to do based on whether our client is in California or our client is in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Sure, sometimes occasionally a client might want to meet us at the property and look at it between tenants or something of that nature, but that's actually not that common. Most of our clients are not physically present at the property that we manage for them ever. Mm-hmm. So the other ways in which we communicate, report, keep in touch about their property or what's really important. And it doesn't matter if you're in California or England, like some of our clients or across town in Winston-Salem or Gastonia um, in that regard. So a couple of things that I would say about that is talk to your property manager before you hire them. I think it's a good idea. I know I want everybody's business, but you know, there's also companies that may be a fit or may not be a fit for someone. We're a volume dealer and we need to do a lot of things in a very efficient manner, in a very consistent manner uh, as as a volume provider of property management services. Mm -hmm. Um, There may be some companies that are uh, 
that you know have all the time in the world on their hands and wanted to do it differently for somebody and i think people should interview their managers and see whether they feel like they're a good fit uh, for for their manager or not we're very fortunate that i feel like more times than not we uh went out on those account opportunities and we also have a great retention rate that people tend to stick with us um once they've come here we have clients that we've managed property for 20 30 and 40 years on the books right now um and i think that's something good and from year to year on uh our clients i'd say our retention rates 98 percent um clients if we lose them it tends to be because they sold the property and maybe sold it to somebody who um is going to self-manage or or that type of thing but talk to the manager interview them um, we like to send out as much detailed information about how we do things in writing to people in advance so they can look at that before the conversation um, and hopefully it'll answer a lot of their questions and then we can get into the details of uh, when folks like to know, you know, how you do this, how you do that. Say I do, uh, you know, what's going to happen if they don't pay? When are you going to take action in that regard? Um, do I get to help set the rent? Those are the kind of questions that new investors uh, tend to have. Mm-hmm. And it's good to talk to your property manager about that. Even though I said we're a volume dealer, we do tailor our services. We have clients that if we called them up and told them your tenant moved out, we're doing a normal turn and we're putting it on the market again, they would say, why are you calling me? That's your job. Go do that. Yeah. We yeah. have other clients that if we didn't call them and tell them their tenant was moving out, and that here's what's needed for the term and we want to get it back on the market, then they would be upset with us. So my manager's job is to get to know our clients and to tailor our services in that regard to the client. The places where you know we need to have systems in place in order to manage a couple thousand properties very efficiently might be, hey, our monthly statements are going to go out on the first business day of the following month consistently like clockwork every month. Mm. So I'm probably not going to tailor to send you yours on the 20th of the month um, instead of the first of the month. We need to have systems in place like any good business would. Right. Does that mean if you have a question on the 20th and need us to run some sort of report and send it to you because you're going to have a meeting with your financial advisor, of course we're going to do that uh, to you as well. so those would be a few things that I would say, and that uh, that you know, for that wary first-time investor, out-of-state investor, that uh, we want to talk to you as much as you want to talk in order to understand each other and what a good, efficient communication system will be going forward. And then, really, there's very few things that yeah, this isn't a full-time job being a passive investor or one. One, one house, so you need to trust your manager a little bit to handle the day-to-day for you. That's really a lot of what you're paying for. And then make sure they know the kind of things that you want to hear about during the course of the month and the course of the year. I think that's super solid advice. You know, just like talking to the manager upfront before you hire them and make sure that you guys are on the same page about expectations or just get the answers to those questions about when our statements sent out, how much communication should I expect? Um, if you have questions, like I know sometimes investors have questions about uh, marketing, how you market for vacancies. Just ask those things up front 
and, you know, and find out, and then you're not, then you're not wondering. Sometimes I know we have like investors that if they're buying for the very first time, they, they have a lot of questions. And if they've bought a wealth cap house, they may come to me and ask a ton of questions and, I don't run your business <laughs> or any of the other property management partners that we work with. Like, so I don't know. And I just direct them back to you. But again, I love that you shared, you know, if somebody, if maybe if somebody wants, if they want something different based on whatever their personal needs are, just talk to the manager in the beginning. And if it doesn't sound like a fit, you can shop around, you know? Ooh. I would say, you know, just from my personal experience, and this is this is Devin's personal experience, I would encourage people to avoid the discount property manager, uh, the the folks that charge, you know, maybe six seven percent a month, because uh, from my personal experience, they will make it up on the back end, and I know that because I tried that and it didn't work out so well for me. So that's just you know my two cents on that. Uh, but yeah, definitely just. If you were, get, it's just like any other business relationship that you're getting into, you know, just get on the phone, ask some questions and make sure everybody's on the same page. And I think a lot of newer investors after a few months, when they kind of get into the groove, they tend to calm down a little bit and uh, aren't so uneasy because maybe that, that first one can be a little bit scary. And then after that point, you know they get much more comfortable, but you're absolutely right. What you're paying for is for the manager to handle the day-to-day. -day. And like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. And that's the kind of investor I am. Um, I got an email not that long ago. There was a storm for one of my houses in, uh, in Missouri, something with the roof. And I'm like, cool, just take care of it. And if you think it'll qualify for a claim, let me know. And <laughs> otherwise, like, I don't care. Uh, just let me know that everything's fine and the tenant is fine. And that has come, that's come over time though, you know, and I've been working in this industry for quite a while. So some of what I wanted to like touch on today that I'm really excited about is now we do have, we're, we're growing an investor pool of maybe somebody who bought their very first property with Wealthcap two years ago, year and a half ago, something like that. They're now building a portfolio and they're becoming a more experienced investor. And I'd love to share, have you share with us uh, just some tips and tricks for the ongoing long-term relationship. What can somebody do to make sure they have a great relationship with a property manager for the long, long-term? Uh, what can somebody do to help with tenant retention? Any of those tips or tricks that you would want to share with somebody who's planning on getting in this game for the long term. Um, Cause that's what real estate really is. It's a long, it's a long game, <laughs> not a short game. Great, great thoughts. Great question. Um, one place I would start is as an investor, how do you look at your portfolio? Now that you have a portfolio, not a single property, how do you look at that differently? What does that mean to you as an investor? And uh, one thing I would say is you want to take advantage of the best parts of that, while you also want to um, make sure you're looking at each property individually. So if I own 20 properties, I admittedly want to do a little dollar cost averaging. I want to do a little bit of how did my portfolio perform this month 
And there's always going to be times when one property may be offsetting another property. Oh my goodness, we did have to replace an HVAC unit this month on, on you know, the property on Stockton Street. But thank goodness my other properties cash flowed very well. And we were still able to do that out of cash and not come out of pocket to replace that HVAC because I've got a number of properties contributing towards my cash flow. So I personally like that. I like managing a portfolio, not just managing a house and being able to look at the overall picture. But something that you need to safeguard against as you grow your portfolio is to keep your eyes open that your cash flowing properties are not just feeding a, uh, a dud property it's not contributing over time to your bottom line because you're just not going to end up netting out what you want to net out. And I've seen this happen. Sometimes if your overall portfolio is doing well, but there's a couple of properties in there that um, are dragging it down, sometimes people just ride that. And I look at it and say, at least on some basis, be sure you're doing, look at the silo, the individual property, along with the portfolio, to see where's your positive cash flow coming from, where is it not coming from, and are there things you can do to massage your portfolio and fix that. Yeah. I think that's where the best returns come from as people build their portfolio. So, for example, just because one property um, has proven to not be a winner for you doesn't mean you need to sell that property. That might be the best solution. No doubt about it. Uh, but the best solution may be, okay, what would it cost me to rehab this property and to get that into the condition where the maintenance was lower, the rent was higher, it was more attractive on the market, and it becomes a cash flowing property. So that's one way to massage your portfolio. Another way is to unload properties that are not cash flowing for you. Hey, maybe there's somebody out there sitting on money that's willing a fixer up or to rehab and it fits better into their current strategy than for you to come out of pocket or to borrow money to mm -hmm. rehab the property. I think all that's fun. What do you think, Devin? To, to massage your portfolio and get it yeah. turning better. Totally. No, I totally agree. You know, if something's not performing, then evaluate what makes the most sense. Um, and I love the point that you made too about evaluating doing the dollar cost averaging and evaluating your entire portfolio. Um, Cause like when you just have one house, if you have a maintenance expense, you're going to feel it a lot more than when you have five, 10, 20, um, you know, the other properties that are cash flowing positively, it just kind of, you know, it all comes out in the wash. And I, I have that experience now, which is why the thing with the roof recently, you know, I'm not like flipping out. Yeah. It's an expense, but it's not that big of a sting because I have other properties that are, you know, contributing income. So it is what it is. But um, yeah, sometimes like if you have a house that's just not, it's not performing for whatever reason, maybe it's just a better fit for an owner occupant. If over time you're just not getting the rent that makes sense, then evaluate what could, what could it sell for? What could you, if you were to get that capital back, what could you put that into and provide more cash and do the math on it and see what makes the most sense, you know? Um, or if you ended up with a property, maybe in a not so great area, liquidation might be a really, a really good idea. 
if it just the neighborhood turned or, you know, you're just not getting desirable tenants, then lather, rinse, repeat. <laughs> and if you're working with a good professional manager, they can help you with that evaluation. Yeah. Um, your manager truthfully should always be able to give you an answer of why something isn't performing like it's not uh, like, like it is, like it should be. But if they can't immediately give you that answer, um, I would still respect that and say, okay, well, take a closer look and get back to me on what you, what you think. Is this a neighborhood that's worth investing more into this house than I paid for it? Or has there been a turn or is there an issue? Um, I'll tell you a few things that are uh, interesting we run into because, uh, you know, there could be a house that looks great on the market. It fits into what people are looking for, the number of bedrooms, the number of baths, the location or whatnot. Um, there was one in the last year that um, uh, it was a mystery, you know, now what is it? This house is always rented. Well, I went out there with our uh, manager and it was pretty obvious right away, but a family had moved in next door that was a complete pigsty. They had mm. their cars in the yard, they had their trash scattered around the yard, their kids were running around, uh, you know, wild nonstop. And when we're sending out people to look at this house, they're asking themselves, you know, this is looking like a junkyard next door now. Right. Uh, I, that's, I, I would rather look for something else to rent. Um, and so that was a hard one to solve because you don't, but I, hey, in the last year at a different place, I contacted the neighboring property owner and just said, you know, I don't know if you've been out there to see how your new tenants are taking care of the property and taking care of the yard, but frankly, it's preventing me from renting <laughs> my house. And I'd really appreciate it if you went out there and took a look because you're hurting everybody else around you that's not a real real common right thing, but it could just be that easy you know that uh bad timing you've got uh, uh something like this going on it doesn't mean your house is a gonna be a loser uh for the long term there's problems that need to be to be solved yeah totally um what are what are some other uh tips that you think are really important for the long-term relationship building between an investor and the property manager. Because, uh, you know, like I, I love that somebody like you, I could call you and be like, hey, what's going on? And trust that you're going to straight if there's something with the property that needs to be fixed or, you know, the neighbor, maybe somebody less than desirable moved in next door. What advice would you give the investor uh, to have? to make sure that they have a really positive long-term relationship with their property manager? And Excellent. like, what kind of questions should they be? Asking? Couple, couple of things. I think um, like any relationship and any business relationship, working out of mutual respect for each other's time, for each other's schedule, for what's going on at that exact moment uh, is an important thing. So in our lives as property managers, the first five days of the month are gangbuster, uh, gangbuster <laughs> crazy. And uh, used to have a property management company, and um, you know what I'm, I'm talking about. But I do. <laughs> you no, know, a client, an owner expects us to 
be all hands on deck collecting that rent as much of it as possible at the beginning of the month and following up on that. But it's also the time they decide to call in and let's have a half an hour conversation about, about my property. Well, if that can be avoided, boy, we love talking during those middle two weeks of the month yeah. <laughs> instead of right then. I mean, literally at our office, um, hey, we collect as much as we can through remote processes. We collect mm-hmm. as much as we can through the mail. We collect as much as we can through a 24-7 Dropbox at our office. Uh, you know, at Folio, our software system is great at having bells and whistles where they can pay by credit card, debit card, e-check, et cetera. We love that. We promote it all we can. But we still have hundreds and hundreds of people that come to our office during the yeah. course of the month and pay rent, want a receipt sometimes, <laughs> want a conversation, et cetera. So we need to be able to give the tenant, your customer, Mr. Property Owner, you need to be able to give them attention too. And when they tend to like attention is in the first week of the month and in the last week of the month. So just something to think about, the, the schedule. No. I I totally agree because I when I had my property management company years ago I was I was in a relationship at that point and I remember you know my partner at that time basically telling me that I was not fun to deal with for that <laughs> for that first five weeks of the month because I mean it was rent collection my phone was just blowing up email was blowing up you know all the things were happening and it was very difficult to like that's where my focus needed to be during, during those first few days of the month. So I think that's a really, that's a super valid point. You know, if your property yeah. manager, yeah. If your property manager. Beginning of the month and the end of the month, they tend to fall on those cycles. Yeah. So if your property manager is not asking you and it's the third, like give them a couple days and uh, they should be able to, you know, give you a little bit more, give, give you a little bit more attention. That was Super great advice. I don't know that I would have thought of that to share that with somebody, but uh, it's so true. What else? Asynchronous communication. You know, asynchronous communication, I think, is uh, one of the magic things that's uh, come along in the last 20 years more than any previous time because of advancements in email, texting, voicemail, etc. And, you know, you used to have to sync your schedules and be talking to somebody at the same time that they're available to talk to you. And, you know, that's essentially what invented um, the worst game ever, phone tag. Um, But how much of this can be done asynchronously? Hey, I want to talk to you when we have something that we really need to work through verbally, a Zoom call like this or whatnot. There's absolutely a need for that at certain times. But other little questions that might cross your mind during the course of the month, other things that uh, are available other places, like we have a great owner portal where they can kind of look in and see Mm -hmm. what's been going on or what previous months look like and that type of thing. Asynchronous is a great way to do that. Shoot me an email, get an email back. I might be able to shoot you an email back right away, but I might be very wary of calling you back right away because I know I've got something in 15 minutes and I don't want to be rude to you when I've got to get off the phone and head to the next thing. Yeah. So most people know this, but not everybody really follows this. And I I totally get it. You know, a lot of us miss talking to people as much as we did before or this type of thing, but asynchronous is efficient. 
And asynchronous, if you live in California and your property's in North Carolina, is efficient because uh, our work days narrowed then of when we're going to sync. Yeah. So, so, you know, text, email, let's get all the low hanging fruit questions and quick answers and all that done that way. Mm-hmm. And then let's schedule a time to talk or to have a meeting if we got bigger questions and things on our plate. Um, I've got a client uh, from another culture, uh, from another country who I think it's a, a cultural thing, but they really um, don't make appointments and they show up with, you know, oh, here's our, uh, and we manage quite a few properties for them, but here's our statement and we'd like to go over it now. And, you know, that might be on the first of the month or the first Friday of the month, which is the very busiest day. And I so appreciate them and I so respect them. And it's so almost impossible to shut everything down and to sit down and have that conversation then. So I think that's um, scheduling a conversation when it can be scheduled, using asynchronous communication when you can use it. And I think that uh, greatly improves and uh, the, the, the flow between the manager and the investor. Yeah, it, um, I totally agree with you. And the I love the way that technology has evolved to make a lot of the stuff like you publish in the, in the owner's portal. Most property managers nowadays, most of them do have pretty much everything is digital that you can, you can access the majority of the information. Sometimes statements are difficult to read, you know, at first, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of that information is at your, it is at your fingertips, um, which is super helpful. And that also helps with the tenants as well, because then if they, if they need to put in a maintenance request or something like that, most, not all, but a lot of property managers have a way that they can do that, you know, through a text or a portal or something like that, which helps to, you know, give you more bandwidth to, you know, to do what you do. Um, tenant retention is something that I wanted to touch on a little bit today. Um, what, you know, what suggestions, advice, practices do you think are really helpful for long-term investors? They're in this for the long game. They want to, they want to try to attract or keep these good tenants that they have to stay in their properties as long as possible. Um, Obviously, you know, you're not having vacancy losses when that happens. What suggestions and advice do you have? Absolutely. So uh, we definitely believe that uh, tenant retention is very beneficial to a property owner. You know, these are generally one-year leases. And so over a seven-year period of time, you could have six terms in that period of time. And that's expensive, even if they're light terms with some touch-up paint and some carpet cleaning or something of that nature, that still adds up over time. Mm-hmm. That same tenant for those seven years, there's a tremendous amount of cost savings in that. So one of the keys, I believe, to tenant retention is to be sure you're doing the right thing to maintain the property during that seven years. I would say it's one of the number one reasons that tenants consider moving is that they don't feel like they're getting the service they deserve on very legitimate repair requests. We know that when people walk in our office and want to uh, rent from us, that sometimes people don't don't actually like to move. 
that much for the most part. So totally, it's <laughs> a pain. <laughs> exactly. So you don't want to push them out. That's for sure. So um, I think it's important to be doing those things. Don't be, you know, delaying. Don't be saying no. Don't be saying if you renew, uh, if it's something that you really as the landlord need to be keeping up with and staying on top of. And there can be a lot of short-sighted landlords out there who only look at, did I have an expense? Did I have an expense? I don't want an expense. I don't want an expense. But a little bit of an expense can save a lot of money long-term, both in tenant retention and in maintenance costs, frankly. Yeah. Um, So that's one, which is do the right thing, take care of your property. That's going to encourage the tenant to stay there. Number two, I think being strategic about rent increases is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, the last few years have been incredibly unique. Rents have gone up faster than at any time in that 33-year career that, uh, that I've had. Over a normal course of 10 years, I've seen that there's been flat years. There's been years that probably you would almost have to consider rents went down. We didn't, very rarely have we ever actually had to do rent decreases on occupied properties. But the way you see it is at the turn, it took longer to re-rent. Yeah. It's actually went down because you couldn't just turn around and re-rent it at that same price right away. We've seen many, many more years where typical rent increases might be in the market. The market rent has gone up 3%, 5%, or that type of thing. And then you've had, and then of course, in markets vary. Some markets could be flat while, you know, the next market downs up 10% in that year, but um, just average market type things. And then you've had the last few years. The last few years have really seen rents go up in yeah. all markets. But how do you strategically address that? So yeah. here's my advice. I believe in rent increases surprise surprise <laughs> no, but, but i don't believe in big ones um if it's a good tenant who's taking care of the property and you want to keep them don't hit them over the head with a 10 percent rent increase um uh, if somebody's getting their rent up depending on the price range the house is in but chances are if their rent's going up 30 dollars a month they're not going out and spending the weekend looking for a different place to live because they got a $30 rent increase. Doesn't sound like a big increase to the owner, but next year, $35, $35, do it again. If you keep them seven years and get a little bump up each year and not be doing those turns, to me, that's the ideal strategy. Yeah. Um, The last few years have been a little more challenging because rents have jumped so much. So, you know, I've had a client that, was all of a sudden a little upset because they felt like there were several hundred dollars behind the market rent with their tenant. And, you know, of course, they either talked to a neighbor who was renting their house that was just like that for a bunch more money or Zillow or one of the rent, you know, the online rent indicators made them feel like that they were way behind. Yeah, those can be useful tools, but frankly, there's just so many variables that aren't taken into account. I mean, Zillow or any of these don't know the condition of the inside of your house. They don't know 
uh, other. Can I get a yes and amen? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, nothing, nothing will put me on a tear quicker than some, somebody telling me, but I saw on Zillow. That's like no real estate professional ever wants to hear that. So thank thank you. (laughs) So my advice to, to, and by the way, the one I was just talking about, we'd actually been managing it for, for more than 10. I mean, uh, we've been managing it a long time, but we had actually had that tenant for over 10 years. Wow. So there's been a huge amount of value that we haven't been doing big, aggressive rent increases. Then when the market went up so dramatically, uh, you know, would it have been appropriate to turn around and give them a $200 rent increase in one year? Or would you be kissing goodbye to this long-term tenant that you've had? So how do you manage that? Um, and my thought is that if they've been a 10-year tenant, it's probably out of date. I'm not saying an ill repair, but it may be a bit out of date uh, compared to those other properties that we're renting more on the market. Well, maybe have a conversation with the tenant. And I'm talking about the manager having a conversation with the tenant and saying, hey, if we, and this is with the owner's permission, but if we came in and we were willing to change out this carpet over here and update this and this, would you be willing to pay what $150 more a month rent? And sometimes it might be. I'd love that. I can't wait that uh, <laughs> for that that update. I love living here. I want to live here forever. But you know, a tenant's not going to go repaint or recarpet the house, so they're kind of trapped. I love living here, uh, and, and that type of thing. So does that make sense? Like, yeah, work with the tenant and see if your current tenant that you can get those bump ups to get closer to market. However, if the tenant's not ideal or if they're not interested in that, then talk to the, you know, the client should be talking to the property manager, the owner should be talking to the property manager and say, what if, you know, how good do you feel about this market, Lou? If we move this tenant on at the end of this lease renewal and I was willing to come in and spend $15,000 on this house, $10,000 $10,000 on this house, whatever the number may be, new uh, appliances, new countertops, something of this nature, how much could we get? Um, and uh, there's one right around the corner from my office right here right now that we're advising the owner, if you were willing to come in and spend a little money in this house, this neighborhood is hot, the rental market's hot, and you could rent this house for a lot more than you've ever rented <laughs> rented it for before so nothing wrong with that sometimes it's a business decision yeah you're a great long-term tenant but we know 1500 bucks is out of your market rent and we'd love to help you find another place but we're going to do a big remodel on this house and uh yeah get the market rent yeah and i i love what you shared you know about if you do have a long-term tenant asking them would you, would you be willing to maybe pay a little bit more, um, on one of my houses? I just had, I love the tenants that are in that house. Uh, it's one that I like, I placed the tenants when I had my management company, you know, so I know them really, really well. They've been there forever, like seven, eight years, something like that. And, uh, they decided to get a dog and they were like, do you mind? Which of course I don't but it was time for a rent increase. So like that conversation just kind of worked out perfectly. It was like, Hey, um, you know, I don't mind the dog, but we do need to increase the rent. So we were able to, you know, to work that out. Um, 
Yeah. But just like having your property manager talk to the tenant and see if they would be willing to pay a little bit more rent. If you put in some new carpet and some new paint, that's a great idea to try to retain that tenant that you've had for a long time versus taking the risk of, you know, putting it back on the market. And this is me personally, like I would rather keep the tenant even if it was slightly lower rent, if they've been there for a while, they pay on time. They're easy for the manager to work with. You know, there's not crazy, unrealistic maintenance requests or something like that. Like they're a good tenant. I would rather keep them for less rent. And this is Devin's personal opinion. And if you disagree with me, that's fine. But to me, like I would rather keep a great tenant at a slightly lower rent than maybe I could get versus taking the risk having to do the turn, having it vacant. I'd rather just take a little less and keep keep that train moving. <laughs> no, I think it's good business. If you're testing the market and always trying to get the very top rent, you're going to have more turnover at that at that point right there. Yeah. If you're offering uh, 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 something that somebody feels good about the market, about the rent that they're paying, and especially if they're an existing tenant, um, then nothing wrong with staying a little bit below the market. That's one of the keys to retention that you're talking about. So maintaining the property, um, being strategic about rent increases or no rent increases or how you do it. Yeah. Being creative about if you really do want to get it and need to get it up to closer to market rent, is there a way to retain your tenant? Um, and uh, while heading it up toward market rent, those are important. Um, customer service is important, and yeah. and uh, you know that falls uh, that falls on us. But uh, a person doesn't want to stay somewhere if they don't feel like they're treated respectfully, friendly uh, people that they're dealing with. And so, customer service is part of tenant retention. Totally, mind. yeah. I agree with that a thousand. Per- I mean, that's true anywhere. That's true anywhere. How often do you go to a restaurant where the service was terrible and you immediately tell everybody, you know, like that's just the way that the world works. You're not going to be able to keep tenants in your house if, you know, if your property managers aren't kind and respectful. Um, so that might be something when you have that initial interview when you're talking to a new property manager is to ask them, like, how do you handle delicate situations uh, and, and see what their responses are um, because they, they may occur from time to time, you know, and just to, to make sure that you and that property manager are, are basically on the same page. Like I've seen some inv- investors that uh, newer ones, you know, that are a little, just a little sophomoric, sometimes they'll fly off the handle over a little thing and they'll be like, well, we should just evict this tenant. I'm like, no, (laughs) no, that is like the dumbest thing that you could do right now. Just let your property manager deal with it and, um, have some, have some patience, you know? And I think it's a good property manager is you're kind of like, um, you're like a mediator, you know? going between, between the two parties, being able to keep everybody happy, um, calm the owner down if they're getting freaked out and calm the tenant down if they're getting freaked out to make sure that everybody can stay happy in that relationship for a long time. So I, I applaud you. I think it's, um, it's a difficult job. 
which I know because I've been there, done that. And I'm glad that I'm not doing it anymore <laughs> that you are uh, and you're great at it. So with um, any other tips or tricks for tenant retention that um, you can think of? I think those would be the main four. Maintain the property. Be strategic about your rent increases. Uh, be creative uh, when need be to try to retain a tenant. Talk, yeah. communicate. Uh, you hate for somebody to move and then you found out, oh, you know, I just really hated the color of that bathroom. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, or something. And you're like, okay, I think for 75 bucks, we could have changed the color of their bathroom. We kept them. So you don't want that to happen. Um, and, uh, you know, your front office staff is uh, important in that because our property managers are not going to um, see see these uh, people every day. You know, mm -hmm. your uh, service staff on the front line are going to. Um, so those are, those are the key things, all for good customer service. Any other like final advice you would want to share with somebody who's planning on building a, a you know a large portfolio for the long term, things that they should be mindful of? Sure. Um, I think you work with investors very regularly, and I think that making your money on the front end is an important uh, an important thing. You can't change your purchase price over time. You can't change. You might be able to change how you financed it. But those are important questions that you work with and that we work with investors on to make sure you're setting yourself up for success. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we all know that this is a fast changing market right here and that prices everywhere are going up, but rents are also going up. And, uh, you know, how do you uh, how do you Keep up with that and whatnot. So it's something to think through, but be sure to make some of your money on the front end mm -hmm. uh, when you buy investment real estate. Number two, I believe go into it expecting a long-term relationship. You just kind of referred a minute ago to not being overly alarmist about yeah. an issue with a tenant. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, the proper attitude in the investment world and in the property management world mm -hmm. to not get alarmed um, because things happen as part yeah. of it. You know, you do things on the front end. And I think we talked about this last time. What all can you do on the front end to mitigate? How do we screen tenants? What's our application process? What mm -hmm. condition is the house when it's moving in to try to prevent further issues? All these things you can do to mitigate it credit reports, criminal reports, there's still going to be issues. It's just right. the nature of the game. Yeah. You know, the way you mitigate staff professional management, helping you keep an eye on things and to deal with those situations. So don't be alarmist. Um, you know, develop a good plan with your manager when things come up and deal with it and move on through to the other side. <laughs> to the other side. Yeah. Because uh, that's the nature of it. Same with, you know, I think there's a lot of uh, seek first, to, like Covey says, seek first to understand and then to be understood sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, we've had clients be alarmist because their check was low. Uh, what only reason, you know, what possible reason could there be for this uh, check, you know, check to be low or that type of thing? Well, when you get in and find out the real answer to it, 
well, you did know, remember that we were replacing the washer and dryer this month <laughs> or, yeah. or that type of thing, you know, um, there's usually a, an answer uh, that makes sense in those regards. So that's what I would recommend to investors is to remain even keeled, to uh, be problem solvers, but also to utilize professional problem solvers, both in the buying and selling process and in the property management process, build a team. Uh, yeah, your accountant might be part of your team. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're a hands-on in a local market, certainly, uh, you know, there might be other team members that you have your own handyman or crew you like to work on your property, but yeah. otherwise the property manager is going to help you uh, and provide that team team for you. It's a, it's a team sport, I think. What do you think, Devin? I mean. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. And um I think probably the most important piece that you shared from my perspective is that just don't be alarmist um, because things are going to happen. And I was actually, I'm probably going to put out an episode soon that's going to be basically who should not invest in real estate. Uh, <laughs> because if there, there are certain things that if those are your expectations, like this is probably not, not the game for you. This is a long game. Um, you need to chill out. Things are going to happen, but the long-term benefits that you get with building a real estate investment portfolio, in my opinion, far outweigh really any other asset class, but it is a long game. It doesn't happen overnight. There's going to be bumps in the road. There will be vacancy and maintenance stuff is going to pop up. That's just the nature of the game. So if you get really, um, if your feathers get super ruffled every time you're you know, your monthly distribution is short by a couple hundred bucks, then this is probably not something that's going to work really well for you, which is unfortunate because you're missing out on, it's so much more than the monthly check. You know, there's the debt pay down, there's the equity, there's the depreciation on the taxes, all of those things. There can be the offset of earned income if you're an entrepreneur. You know, there's so, so many benefits to investing in real estate, not just the monthly check, but um, it's, you know, this is the tortoise's race, not the hare. <laughs> this... I agree. I tell you, one just one little simple, uh, you know, pro tip in my opinion is pay that first mortgage payment or two out of pocket. Don't get in the habit that you're sitting there on March 30th looking and deciding how much money you got from your March net proceeds so that you can make your April 1st um mortgage payment yeah it's just not a healthy cycle that's when no. that's when you're gonna pull your hair hair out and be going crazy yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah I, so. I recommend to a lot of people like set save your positive cash flow for at least six to 12 months or uh taylor one of our owners his recommendation oftentimes is to to suggest to people um consider a year's worth of expenses basically let that buffer in in your account and then, and then it's no big deal whenever anything comes up or at least make sure that you have your insurance deductible plus some kind of set aside there, you know, and then it's not, it's just not a big deal. But I love that idea of like, make the first couple payments out of pocket and then you can just let the funds accrue and you're not, you know, counting on this check to make that payment. Yeah, very 
give you a, a, little, a little healthier peace of mind if you uh, if you do it that way, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Lou, we are just about at the top of the hour, and I'm so grateful that we got to have you on again and talk more about property management stuff. And I know that we'll have you on again in the future because you're an investor yourself and have so much experience in this arena. And I know there's like a dozen topics that we could probably share on. But if anybody is, um, you know, if they're investing in WealthCap and they're looking at properties in the North Carolina market and maybe they want to chat with you first, um, or if anybody's listening and you happen to live in that area and you already have a portfolio, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, Lou, what is the best way for them to contact? Sure. Uh, my direct line is 336-201-0265. That rings my desk right here. And L Baldwin at baldwinco, B-A-L-D-W-I-N-C-O.com. Check out our webpage, www.baldwinco.com. Awesome. And anybody watching or listening, if you are interested in investing in real estate and if you're brand new or you're experienced and you want to find out about the opportunities that we may have for you at WealthCap, uh, whether you're a brand new investor or if you're a accredited investor, we may have some other opportunities for you as well, whether it's turnkey or something else. I am easy to find wealthcapholdings.com backslash waitlist will take you to my calendar and we can chat and figure out what uh, might make sense for you and your investment plans. So thanks again, Lou. Look forward to chatting with you again sometime soon and we will see y'all next time. Thank Bye-bye. You, Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening. Discover how you can start building wealth with real estate, even without experience in our free book, Why Real Estate and How to Get Started by visiting wealthcapholdings.com slash book. That's wealthcapholdings.com slash book.